this morning we have two readings from Luke. So if you've got your Bibles or your phone there, it's Luke. The first one's from Luke 10, uh, verse 25 to 37. And uh, some may know it as the parable of the Good Samaritan. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbour as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbour? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he travelled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was the neighbour to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. <clears throat> and the second uh, passage I'm going to read is from Luke 18 verses 18 to 22. A certain ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, honour your father and mother. All these I have kept since I was a boy, he said. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. Thanks, Janet. Now, I've got to say, that was my fault up there, having the extra verse there. I, I did intend to, uh, to finish with verse 23. Uh, so it wasn't because Janet uh, left it out. It was me not coordinating overheads and, uh, and the reading together. Uh, well, morning, church. How are we? Um, I, I feel I want to start by, again, 
praising the band. I, I thought they were really good last week. And if I can say, they were even better this week. And, yep, yep, give them a clap. But I'm there thinking, I wonder what's happened. Don's there. Don's there. And then I thought, no, 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 that can't be it. I think it's the rest of the band has got tighter and used to playing with each other. Uh, anyway, I want to start with a joke this morning. Um, there were three passengers on a plane. A backpacker an old man and a tele-evangelist. Suddenly the pilot came running to the back of the plane and yelled, the plane is going down and we only have three parachutes and there's four people. With this, the pilot took a parachute and jumped out of the plane. The tele-evangelist said, I am followed by millions and save lives every broadcast. The world needs me. And he also took a parachute and jumped out. The old man and the backpacker, they looked at each other and the old man said, I've lived a long and enjoyable life. You take the last parachute. To which the backpacker responded, don't worry, there's still two parachutes left. The tele-evangelist jumped with my backpack on. <laughs> now just putting that moral dilemma of the joke to one side, the lesson is, be sure that what you've grabbed hold of will actually save you. Okay, so we're continuing uh, our series from Luke, Everyone's Welcome, Everybody's Welcome. Uh, last week, uh, we looked at Simon the Pharisee and the implied invitation that was given to him, though we weren't told how Simon responded. And this week, we have Jesus conversing with an expert in the law this guy's a scholar okay he's above the teachers of the law he's an expert in the law if you like he is a teacher who teaches teachers okay and there is no invitation in our passage that that uh, stands out however our story shares many similarities with Luke's story of the rich ruler so we have our, our bonus reading today. And in that story, it does progress to an invitation from Jesus to the rich ruler to follow him. Now, I am encouraged, even though there's not a, uh, an invitation to the expert of the law and there's, there's no clear outcome, that there is something that tells us that an expert of the law became a follower of Jesus and we find that in Titus chapter 3 verse 13 where we're told about a bloke called Zenus a disciple of Jesus and an expert of the law so again we know that everyone is welcome even professors of the law so I want to just start by, by comparing our, our two stories just a little there so that next slide beautiful this question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? It only occurs twice in two stories of Luke. And we don't find that unique phrase anywhere else in Luke. And so we, we kind of get this idea that, that these two stories are somehow linked. We, we get something out of reading them together. And so it's wise for us to, 
to dig a, a little deeper. Uh, note also that this question isn't asking what must be done, but what must I do? Just me, my own efforts without outside help. Even there, it just reminds me a little bit of, uh, of uh, the garden scene where, uh, where humanity wanted to go it alone, just them, their own efforts without outside help. And it's interesting how Jesus responds in both stories. He directs the inquirers to the law of Moses. In chapter 10 we read, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And then in that chapter 18, he says to the rich young ruler, you know the commandments. It's only the second story uh, that tells us that there is more than the law required. You still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasures in heaven. Then come follow me. You don't get this essential instruction to follow Jesus announced in the Good Samaritan story. In fact, you could use the Good Samaritan story as proof that you can save yourself through keeping the law. And if you did, you'd find yourself jumping out of a crashing plane with a backpack on. Only by uniting these pigeon pair that following Jesus is clearly seen as essential for gaining eternal life. However, the same message is concealed in the Good Samaritan story and, and we'll go there now. But first let me indulge uh, you with showing the, the structure of the text. You'll be getting used to me doing this sort of stuff. I, I find it fascinating. And we see the Good Samaritan story is broken into two halves. And in each half, we have the same pattern. There's a question from the expert of the law. And then it's followed by a question from Jesus. Then we have an answer from the expert of the law. And finally, we have an answer from Jesus. And there's a bit of wisdom here for us mere mortals. Firstly, don't assume you're the most knowledgeable person in the room. Okay? But do assume that there are some hidden motivations behind some questions. I want to tell you a, an unfortunate story from my past, a few, quite a number of years back. Um, I had a Presbyterian minister ask me, not a theological question, he asked me, what do you think about the Toyota RAV4? Now, I don't know if he realised this or not, but Janet and I had just bought a slightly used Subaru Forester, okay? And when it comes to buying anything, I'm pretty meticulous. I like to do my research. So I was quite knowledgeable about the SUVs uh, of the day. And so I answered this gentleman. I said, the Super, Subaru Forester was such a superior vehicle, I wouldn't even bother looking at Toyota RAV4s. What I didn't know was that he was picking up his brand new Toyota RAV4 from the showroom that day. And after that incident, our relationship was forever strained. Uh, 
Now, just imagine if instead of me jumping in and, and throwing my wisdom out there, if I had have started by saying, why do you ask? He would have said, well, I'm collecting mine today. And I could say, oh, how exciting for you. Can't wait to see it. Life would have gone on well had I followed that advice. So in our story, we have this. On one occasion, an expert of the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Luke tells us that the expert of the law is here to test Jesus. And what we're drawn into, into this story, is that uh, <laughs> when you test someone, even in, in our day and age, a teacher tests a student. And it was the same there. A teacher tests the student. In that time, a teacher would sit and the student would stand. And this was known by everyone. The experienced person sits and the learner stands. Luke tells us that the expert stood up as would a student to test as would a teacher. But then he addresses Jesus as teacher as would a student. So the expert's duplicity is obvious to Luke's readers. He's, not here to he's, he's here to test Jesus, but he's also here to trap Jesus. And Jesus plays along with the charade and he adopts the part of a teacher testing his student. He remains seated and he says, well, what's written in the law? How do you read it? He asks the question. The expert started this game, so he's obliged to play along. He answers, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbour as yourself. It's amazing, isn't it? Because Jesus sums up the law in exactly the same way. And they're both quoting Deuteronomy uh, 6 verse 5 that Jews recite daily with the call for the nation to love God fully. And they're also citing uh, Leviticus uh, 19 verse 18 that calls for love of one's neighbour. And the order is important, isn't it? Because experience teaches that it is hard to love the unlovely neighbour unless the disciple's heart is filled first with the love of God. It is our gratitude for the unwavering love of God that makes it possible for us to love the unlovely, the ones that God loves. Jesus responds to the, uh, the expert, as would a teacher. He says, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. It's a great compact first exchange. But even in that answer, in all of human history, no one except Jesus has been able to love perfectly and continuously. And, and Paul sums this up uh, when he says in Romans 3.20, No one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the work of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of sin. However, this whole area of the law, as we've said, is the where the expert has his expertise do you see expert expertise anyway he makes his living out of finding loopholes 
and narrowing definitions in attempt to make law keeping achievable that's what he's on about but this first exchange has triggered something with this expert and things now become a little bit more personal he wanted to justify himself such is our sinfulness that we fool ourselves to believe that we can do things on our own and so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbour? Now in this area, where the, the expert certainly has an opinion and he's aware of all the alternative views, he'd be well aware of Leviticus 19.17 that says, do not hate a fellow Israelite in your heart, rebuke your neighbour frankly so you will not share in their guilt. Though he also no doubt knew 30, verse 34 of the same chapter which says the foreigner residing among, among you must be treated as your native born love them as yourself for you were foreigners in Egypt I am the Lord your God okay so if he takes those two he's, he should love the devout Israelite and the, 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 the devout follower um, from other countries the, the devout Gentile if you like uh, but is he required to go further? Well, besides the Bible, he'd also be aware of other teachings of wisdom that had came, come from their history, such as a book called Sirach. And in verse 12 of Sirach, it says, Give to a devout man. Do not go to the help of a sinner. Do good to a humble man. Give nothing to a godless one. For the Most High detests sinners. Now, if Jesus had of, in this second encounter, uh, replied as he did in the first encounter and said, tell me, what do you think? The conversation would have gone down the expert's rabbit warren of abstract theological discussion. It would have been a mistake. Instead, Jesus tells this parable that touches on the question, what must I do to inherit eternal life and intersects with real life issues? And the parable is about uh, a traveller who encounters four types of people, as shown. A man was going from Jerusalem to Jericho. The first type of person he encounters is the robbers. The robbers have come to do evil and then they go and they leave the man for dead. The second is a priest who comes along. He sees him, he does nothing, and he goes. Then a Levite comes along. He sees him, he does nothing, and goes. Finally, the fourth type, a Samaritan comes, sees him, does respond with pity, does go to him, does treat his wounds, does carry him to safety does pay for his care and while he is God, gone does promise to return to pay any outstanding expenses so you can see there's a pattern there come do go and this permeates the story and do is the main thing the, uh, the, the expert in the law had said what must I do 
So do is, is the main point there. And in this, um, in this structure, you can see that the, the expert is given maybe three options. He can do evil, he can do nothing, or he can do everything. They seem to be the three that are given. And when I'm thinking about this, I, I, some of us older folk will remember a series called Seinfeld, although I see it's still on television today. And uh, it, it was quite a silly show. But in the final episode of this comedy series, they got a little bit serious. And we find the cast of Seinfeld is arrested under the Good Samaritan Act. And they're arrested because they observed a crime and did nothing. I think this comic observation is correct. If you do nothing, you really are doing evil. Okay, so let's get into the parable. We, we'd finally get there, I knew it. A man was going down from Jericho to Jerusalem and he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. Jesus gives that description so that we know nothing, nothing about the victim. He's been stripped of his clothes that would have indicated his ethnic background, his profession, his standing in society. They're gone. He's been badly beaten. His features are swollen and disfigured. He's covered in bruises, blood and dirt. Again, hints of his ethnicity are uncertain. He's been left for dead, unconscious. He cannot speak. So you can't even get a hint from his accent from where this man comes from. So this man in this situation could be a highly esteemed Jewish leader or he could be a despised Gentile sinner from one of many nations. And he could be anything in between. Jesus does not want the expert to have any measure to place a value on the victim. The man is anybody and everybody. A priest happens to be going down the same road and when he saw the man, he passed on the other side. So too a Levite. When he came to the place and saw him, passed on the other side. Now, a priest, by definition, is an intermediate between man and God. Surely he would stop for the man. No. Our expert would be aware of the laws that prohibit a priest having contact with a dead body or even contact with blood. If he had come into contact, he would be required to return and go back to Jerusalem for a cleansing ritual that would see him away from his family, which I guess was in Jericho where he's heading, and from his work for, for quite some time. Besides, the priest was, was probably aware of another traveller behind him who was stirring up dust on the road. And surely it would be easier for this other traveller to attend to this man. Maybe that was his excuse. So he crosses the road and he keeps on going. The next traveller is a Levite. Now, he's not a priest, but he is also subject to cleaning rituals uh, though not as rigorous as that for the priest. Um, however, he may be thinking, well, I'm only compelled to give aid if this bloke is a 
fellow Jew. Uh, because there were writings with regards to the Gentiles, such as this one. We are not to contrive to their death, but if they are in da danger of death, we are not bound to deliver them. Such a one is not your neighbour. Maybe he thought this as well. Maybe the Levite also knew that there was a priest travelling on the road in front of him. And he may have assumed that the priest had determined the man was not a Jew. So if the priest had done nothing, why should he do anything? And he continues on his way. Now the expert in the law would have held both these people in pretty high esteem. Not so the next character, a Samaritan. Now you may or may not know who the Samaritans are, but they have a mixed heritage. Uh, they come from the Jews that were left behind in the land when the rest of them were taken into exile into Babylon. And, and these Jews that had remained behind had intermingled with other nations that were in the land. And so when Israel or the Jews returned from Babylon, there'd been some conflict between the people that were living there and, and the Jews that had returned. And over the years, this uh, tension had grown to hatred and, uh, and uh, at this point they were, were bitter enemies. However, the Samaritan or Samaritans still lived in accordance with the Torah. That is the first five books of the Bible. They, they, they still follow God. And, um, and so the first four, five books of the Bible is where you get all these uh, cleansing rituals and, and requirements. And so the, the Samaritans were really under the same restrictions as the priest and the Levite. So the Samaritan had as much religious reason not to act. However, we read that when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. When the Samaritan came upon the man, he took pity on him. He followed his reaction with action. He was a doer. And he could not do enough for the man, so he does everything for him. The parable is the lead-in to Jesus' question. Which of these three do you think was a neighbour to the man who fell into the hand of robbers? Now Jesus has very cleverly flipped the meaning of the expert's question. The expert really wanted a list of people he must be nice to. Okay, you have to be nice to this person, you don't have to be nice to that person. That's what he was looking for. Instead, Jesus gives him a list of what, must, what one must do to be a neighbour. Harm, help, ignore. And really, we've already cut that down to you are, you're either going to help them or you're going to harm them. They're the two choices. And the expert has been cornered by this scenario of a type that a teacher would pose to a student. Okay, this is what Jesus has done is quite acceptable. 
And as we mentioned, this is the expert's game. So he's been cornered. He must answer. But his hatred of Samaritans is so great that it won't permit him to say even that name, Samaritan, in a positive context. So he replies, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus quite simply replies, go and do likewise. So the expert of the law is left to consider the impossible task of being a neighbour to everyone in need without considering their worthiness or their ethnicity. I have trouble with that word. I should have picked an easier one. I wrote this. (laughs) He knows he cannot justify himself if this is the standard. Actually, no one can meet this standard. You and I can't meet this standard. If you wonder why Jesus chose a Samaritan as the hero of the story, then consider John 8:48 because it gives us a pretty strong hint. At this time, the, the, Jesus is having a, a discussion with a, with a group of Jews and they're, they're pretty um, hostile towards him and they answer him, aren't we right in saying that you are a Samaritan and demon-possessed? You can't really insult anyone much, you can't insult a Jew, I should say, much more than a calling, calling them a Samaritan and demon-possessed. And I think for probably many Jews, the two go hand in hand. It's really interesting, if you read on in that passage, Jesus then defends the reason why he isn't demon-possessed, but he doesn't say anything about the Samaritan. And I think it's because Jesus recognises that he and Samaritans have a, have a lot in common. Like the, uh, the Samaritan, Jesus is despised by certain parties within Jewish society. And when he came upon broken humanity, Jesus also had pity. And unlike the priest, he does not try to preserve his own sanctity, but Jesus is prepared to, to defile himself, coming down to clean our wounds, to carry those who who cannot carry themselves and to care for us at his expense. Okay, the the Samaritan is a picture of Jesus. When the expert of the law, you know, he, he can't be the Samaritan, he doesn't want to be the Samaritan, so he has a choice of thinking to himself, well, who am I in this story? Am I the victim? And when the, when the expert of the law places himself in the position of the victim, he's forced to recognise that he would be unlikely to help himself. But Jesus would. So maybe when we think about this, there, there is an invitation in there after all for the expert of the law. Now I skipped one verse, you probably didn't notice. Verse 35. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Part of the reason I left that out is that it it breaks that uh, come, do, go pattern. but there's something more in there because really I'd, I'd, for that reason I guess I would find this verse superfluous we don't really need it 
um, unless I see the Samaritan as representing Jesus. And then, in my mind, it can take on quite a prophetic significance. Because I think of the resurrected Jesus, okay, who has done so much for us, but then he, he leaves us. And he leaves us in the care of the Holy Spirit with the promise to return, to complete, complete his care for us. It's something worth thinking about. There's one final uh, question I, I think we need to answer because um, I'd mentioned it's impossible for us to keep this commandment, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. We can't just we can't love God that perfectly and that continuously. And equally, we can't love our neighbour as ourselves when Jesus sets a, such a high standard. But this isn't impossible for Jesus because that's what he done. He fulfilled the requirements of the law on our behalf. Now that doesn't mean that we can ignore this calling on us. Remember last week, uh, we learnt that as beneficiaries, we are forever indebted to honouring our patron. And our patron is Jesus. We do this by taking on the things that are important to Jesus and we make them important to us. So we love God and we love people because that's what Jesus does. Were our parable to continue, we would find the victim restored to complete health and forever indebted to the Good Samaritan. Regardless of the type of person he was before, he would show his love and loyalty to his patron by indiscriminately showing love to others and assisting them where he can. So we're called to go and do likewise with a heart of love. Um, with a head of purpose and with hands of action. Not to earn our salvation, but because salvation has been given to us. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for what you have done. We thank you that you sent Jesus. We thank you that he defiled himself by mixing with us, by taking our sin by cleansing us and Lord we thank you for the promise that he will return to bring us into his kingdom and we can be forever with you we just give you thanks for that in Jesus name Amen